So if someone asked you this week, uh, what does it mean to be a Christian? How would you answer? What does it mean to be a Christian? A few years ago, I was driving home with a buddy of mine named Dylan. Uh, Dylan wasn't a follower of Jesus. Um, He actually had no interest in faith when I first met Dylan, Uh, but we had some things that were common interest, and so we struck up a friendship, and we would go out to, to coffee and just talk about life, talk about faith, talk about Christianity, and and through the span of our friendship, I started seeing the Lord just opening up Dylan's heart even more to the gospel, even more to his truth and what God had done for him through Jesus. And he was starting to ask more questions. And we were out one night and uh, had, a, had a great conversation over dinner. And as we were driving home, Dylan asked me, so Sean, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I don't know if I was caught off guard by his question. Uh, I don't know if I was like too busy focusing on the traffic or if this really was just what I felt. But the answer that I gave him was possibly the lamest answer that you could give a young man exploring faith. It was, well, uh, you know, you read your Bible, you pray, you get plugged into a church And it's like, it's not that those things aren't good things. They are. Like, those are things that we should do as followers of Jesus, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. Those are things that Christians do to fuel our faith and to connect with others, but that's a far cry from what it means to be a follower of Jesus. See, being a Christian means living in the freedom of God's Grace. It means experiencing more love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control as the Holy Spirit lives in us and transforms our, our hearts to become more like him. Being a Christian means joining in what God is doing to redeem and restore and renew this world. It's about having hope and giving that hope away to others who feel completely hopeless It's about loving people who feel like they are unlovable. It's about expressing God's love to to people who feel like there's no way God could love someone like them. Being a Christian is about fresh starts and new beginnings. It's about living an abundant life that only Jesus can offer while having the hope of eternal life to come. It's about living a kingdom life that is adventurous and daring because we've put our faith in the one who holds us in his hands. It's about being willing to give up everything so that others can find the most important thing. Being a Christian means a new way of living. It's about a life of self-sacrifice for the sake of others, a life that embodies God's love and mercy and grace and holiness. It's about following Jesus and doing what he did when he walked this earth. Apostle John, one of the people that followed Jesus around during his earthly ministry, he, he puts it like this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He says, whoever abides in him, meaning whoever says that they are Christian, whoever has put their hope and their faith in Jesus, this is what it means. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. So being a Christian... Being a follower of Jesus means that we walk as Jesus walked. 
Now, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Um, it doesn't mean that we move to Israel <clears throat> and walk where Jesus literally walked. We have a, a group of about 50 people who are going to Israel from Sherwood Oaks next Saturday. It's a trip that I hope to make one of these days. Maybe it's a trip that, that you've made in the past. But walking where Jesus walked does not mean that you are walking as Jesus walked. It also doesn't mean that you start wearing a robe and sandals, that you grow long hair and you just kind of walk from town to town. Your neighbors might get a kick out of it, <laughs> thinking, okay, this, this person's gone crazy. Uh, but that's not what it means to walk as Jesus walked. See, the word translated walk in this passage that, that, that we read from 1 John, it's the Greek word peripateo. It's Kind of like the sound of pair of potatoes. Why don't you say that with me because <clears throat> Greek words are fun. Ready? Peripateo. All right, let's try it again. Ready? Peripateo. Peripateo means following, making progress, regulating one's life or conducting oneself after the pattern of another. And so to walk like Jesus means that we are to emulate the pattern that Jesus gave us. The pattern of living that Jesus modeled for us. When Jesus walked this earth, he was intentional and he was missional. He walked in a relationship with both his heavenly father and with, with others. Those that he came to seek and to save. For Jesus, faith wasn't just about checking a bunch of religious boxes. I went to church, check. I read my Bible, check. I prayed, check. Jesus did all of those things, but it wasn't heartless or disengaged intellectually or emotionally. To be religious is not to walk as Jesus walked. In fact, when you look through his life, it was the religious people that Jesus oftentimes butted heads with the most. It was the ones who felt like they were checking off all of the boxes, doing all of the right things, who thought that they were closest to the heart of God, that Jesus said, no, you're actually a whole lot further from the heart of God than what you think. So what does it mean to walk as Jesus walked, and how do we do it? I think there are two things that help us get on the right track. Number one, we adopt the heart of Jesus. And number two, we adopt the habits of Jesus. We adopt the heart of Jesus and we adopt the habits of Jesus. Let's look first at adopting the heart of Jesus. To me, there are so many scriptures that we can go to in the Gospels and the, the New Testament letters uh, to the churches, so many places that we could go to, to to look and to understand the heart of Jesus. But, but um, all of those places, I don't think any of them are better than Philippians chapter 2. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use in your device, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. You can also follow along up on the screen if you'd like. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians from a jail cell to Christians who like us, we're just trying to figure out what does it mean to be a follower of, of Jesus? How, how do we live this out? How do we walk as Jesus walked? And help us understand what it means, Paul points us to the example that Jesus gave us when he left 
heaven and came down to earth to, to live and to walk amongst us. And I, and I love what he does here. If you, if you have your scripture open, you, you, may, you may see that there's a little bit of a difference in the text in Philippians chapter 2. You go from where you have, you know, nice clean margins to where you have all of these weird indentations. That's kind of a, a clue in scripture that the genre has changed. And so, you know, Scripture is made up of many, many, many different genres from historical narrative to poetry uh, to apocalyptic. Like there's just so many different narratives and, and, and genres of literature that go into making up scripture. And sometimes the biblical writers interweave all of these different genres. And so when we get to Philippians chapter 2, we see that it starts off as the letter that Paul is writing. And then we get all of these indentations in the text. And the reason is, is because now Paul is singing a song. You see the same thing throughout the book of Psalms. Paul is actually, and I, and I love this, this is one of the very first Christian hymns. And there are people who may think, well, Amazing Grace was the first Christian hymn. I'm telling you, there, there are Christian hymns that predate even Amazing Grace. This was one of the very first Christian hymns that was being passed through the churches. This was a song that the church would sing to glorify Jesus and to remind them not only what Jesus did for them, but how now we should live in response to the grace that we've received in him. And so Paul breaks out into song as he describes what it looks like to walk as Jesus walked. And follow along Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Other translations may have attitude. Have the same attitude as Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. I think in this passage we see a couple of characteristics of the heart of Jesus that Paul tells us to adopt. Number one, Jesus demonstrated a humble heart. Jesus lowered himself in every way. He emptied himself of his divine privileges. That's what Paul means when, when he says he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Other translations may something to be held on to. He emptied himself of his divine privilege to come and to serve those who he deserved to be served by. Jesus had a humble heart, and part of walking as Jesus walks means that we will adopt that same heart and attitude in our lives towards others. It means emptying ourselves and serving others as Jesus served us. Jesus also demonstrated an obedient heart. An obedient heart. Several years ago, uh, author Gary Chapman released a book called The Five Love Languages. Anybody familiar with that, that book, Five Love Languages? In it, he said that um, all of us naturally speak and hear um, a love language, uh, whether it's 
you know, from our upbringing or just, you know, how God has wired us. We all speak a love language and we all kind of hear a love language that's unique to us. And he lists five of these love languages, gift giving, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service. If you haven't read the book, I encourage you to do it. It's very, it's a very helpful book. But the premise of this book is that if our love language is like words of affirmation, but our spouse's love language is gift giving, then there's a gap. There's a gap in our communication. That we're going to be speaking our natural love language, and while our spouse may appreciate it, they're not going to feel the love that we desire them to feel through it. Amber and I came across this in kind of a humorous way a couple of weeks ago. I hope that she doesn't mind that I'm sharing this story. Um, I don't know if you know this, but, but preachers and their wives um, fight just as much as maybe you and your spouse do. And, and oftentimes it comes down because we're speaking different languages. Amber's love language is quality time. That's the one that she hears the best. The one that I speak is acts of service. And so I was doing my best trying to serve her, and she just said, would you just stop? <laughs> I was getting in the way of something that she was trying to do. And what we found is that the natural love language that I speak, actually the way that she was hearing it was me saying, you're not doing this good enough. Let me step in and do it for you. <laughs> The exact opposite of what I was trying to communicate. And so understanding love languages is very important if we really want to communicate love to, to those around us. And so if, if, we, if we show our spouse love the way that they speak it, they're going to feel it best. Well, God has a love language too. I believe that when you look throughout Scripture, you'll find that obedience is God's love language. Obedience is God's love language. In his gospel, the Apostle John um, records Jesus saying this, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So whoever knows what to do and does it, that is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. So an obedient heart that is inspired by love for God seems to be what God desires most from our lives. It's the greatest way that we can show God love because it shows that we trust him. I believe that, that God is always drawing us into a deeper place of trust that, that no matter what we're going through, the highs and the lows, and I know some of you are going through some real lows in life, God is just drawing you deeper right now to a level of trust in him that he is good, that he is for you, that you can trust him. So walking with Jesus means adopting the heart of Jesus, it means demonstrating a humble heart towards others, an obedient heart towards the Lord, and as we adopt the heart of Jesus, we begin to also adopt the habits of Jesus. And one of those habits that we see over and over in Jesus' life is that Jesus nurtured his relationship with the Father. Jesus nurtured a relationship with the Father. Several times throughout the Gospels, we read about Jesus getting away to a solitary place, getting away from the crowds, away from the noise, away from the busyness, just to spend time with the Lord and to nurture his relationship with the Father. 
One of those times is in Luke chapter 5. Jesus has been performing many miracles up to this point in his ministry. He's busy doing good, important things. But look at what Luke records in Luke 5, chapter, or, uh, verse 15 and 16. Luke says, yet the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. And in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That, that word, but, changes the entire feel of that. Everyone's coming to Jesus. They're looking for something from Jesus. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, away from the crowds, away from the noise, to pray. That's a good sound right there. I think that's a, a salt truck that's going by. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully the roads might be a little bit better as we leave <laughs> than when we came in. And so the habit of Jesus could have so easily been just to continue to do the good work that he was doing. I mean, I imagine that, and we, we even read this in some of the, the Gospels. I mean, there's one time in, in, in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus has been performing all of these miracles. And like the, the, the towns around where Jesus was staying caught wind of this. And so like when, before the night was over, there was like a line of people out the door waiting for Jesus to heal them. And yet even in there, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus withdrew. And so the habit of Jesus could have just been to stay there. And to continue to do good. I mean, after all, he was healing people of their sicknesses and disease. There was important work to be done. And I'm sure that it would have been unending. But instead, Jesus took the time to press pause. And to spend time with the Lord. We may not have a bunch of people lining up at our door waiting for us to heal them. Uh, but we've got laundry piling up, <laughs> right? We've got dishes to do, we've got bills to pay, we've got demands at work, we've got busy schedules, we've got clubs and community events that we're involved in, we've got kids or grandkids, ball games, we've got notifications popping up on our phone telling us to go here, to do this, to do that. So we may not be busy healing people, but we are busy. And there are multiple things, oftentimes good things, that are calling out for our attention. And Jesus experienced this too, and yet he prioritized time spent with the Father because he knew that relationship was the most important one of all. It was that relationship that would help him do every other relationship better. And so he made it a priority. And man, if it was important for Jesus to nurture his relationship with the Father, how much more important is it for us to do the same? And so how are you doing with that? Do you, do you feel like your relationship with the Lord is strong, or do you feel like you are running on fumes? Or are you like me, where you feel like you kind of waver between the, the two? I challenge you this week to take some time to nurture your relationship with the Father. Spend time this week with the Lord. It's one relationship that will help you do every other relationship better. Just a quick note on this. I'm really excited about a series that we're going to be doing this summer called Move. It's about helping us learn how to practice spiritual disciplines, these things that help move us closer to the Lord, engage in a deeper relationship with Him. 
And uh, it's, it's based off a book that uh, is called Sacred Pathways. I'm actually going through it right now with a buddy of mine, Alan, who's here this morning. And many of you may know Alan. Alan's actually going to be here preaching next Sunday. And so I hope that you'll come back and uh, join us for that. But that's going to be a really good series just to help us know how we can move closer to the Lord and connect in a more deeper way with him. So Jesus was in the habit of nurturing his relationship with the Father, but he also served others. Jesus served others. He not only took on the nature of the servant, but he took on actions of a servant too. He did the hard, dirty work of serving others. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, the Son of Man did not come to be served, even though he had every right to be served. Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And throughout his life and his ministry, Jesus served it's at the heart of all that he did. And if we're going to walk as Jesus walked, then we must be willing to, to lower ourselves and serve as Jesus served. In fact, I believe this, and many of you have maybe heard me say this before, you are never more like Jesus than when you serve. You are never more like Jesus than when you serve. See, being a Christian isn't about doing religious things. It's not about going to church or reading your Bible or saying a prayer and then kicking your feet up and waiting until you get to heaven. It's about walking as Jesus walked. It's about taking on his heart and his habits and becoming more and more like him through the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be diving deeper into the life of Jesus and talking about how we can begin to adopt his heart and his habits even more in our lives. And all of this is about helping you grow in your faith and to take your next steps towards him. Our hope in this series is that if you are seeking Jesus and not quite sure what to believe about all of this, that you'll find that you can trust him and find grace and forgiveness for your sin and a fresh start through Jesus. Our hope for this series is that we can help you get plugged into a life group, a place where you can connect with other people who are wanting to grow in their relationship with Christ too. We've got our women's Bible study starting on Tuesday night, and we'd love to have you join that. We, we've, got, uh, we've got life groups that, that meet all throughout the week that we'd love to get you plugged into. You can download the Like Jesus app and start following along with the study guide. There's, there's information about that app in your bulletin. If you haven't downloaded it yet, it's a great resource. It's a great resource. A lot of good studies in there that go along with this series. You can find some information about it just right there. If you have any questions about what it is or how to download it, how to register, please let me know because we want to get you connected with it. It's a great tool to use. All of these are tools to help us know, love, and follow Jesus more. Ultimately, at the end of the day, our hope is that if you're here and you're stuck in your faith, just kind of going through religious motions, that your heart will be reawakened once more to the beautiful life that God has invited you to when you walk as Jesus walked. Let's pray. Lord, um, I thank you for the example that, uh, that you gave us through Jesus. Thank you that, as the author of Hebrews says, Jesus is the exact representation of you. As he lived and as he walked and as he worked, Lord, we saw you 
and flesh. We saw you live and act and work. And that example now has been given to us. And, and through your Holy Spirit, we now get to partner with you and continue the work that Jesus started all those years ago. That, that living this Christian life, living out this faith, it's not just about going through these religious motions. They're good. They're really good. They help us grow closer to you and to be more like Jesus. But ultimately, it comes down to just, to just living and loving and serving the way that Jesus did. So God, I pray that you will inspire us over the coming weeks as we go through this series, Walk with Jesus. Inspire us to take our next step of faith to walk more closely with him than we ever have before, to become more like him in our heart and in our habits. Lord, make us more like Jesus, not just for our own good. I mean, certainly we will experience more of an abundant life as we live and walk as Jesus did. But Lord, we also have a desire to help others find and follow you too, to help others find the grace and freedom and forgiveness that we have found through Jesus. Lord, as we walk in that way, our lives become something of a testimony to them about the nature of your love and your grace and your goodness, about what is available to them as well. So Lord, to a world who is watching, may we be a good example of who Jesus is and how he loves. Lord, thank you for your grace for those times when we don't get it right. I know I don't. I'm so thankful for your forgiveness and that, Lord, you continue to do work inside of each of us to make us more like your son. So we're grateful for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.